the path that led to life, the path that leads to devotion. And eventually, Peter's going to die for Christ. He made the wrong decision back here in around 30 A.D. About 65 A.D., he's going to make the right decision. And when somebody says, either deny Christ or die, Peter says, it's not worth my life. I'm ready and willing to sacrifice everything so I never betray him again. At this point, when he breaks down and weeps, he gets it. It all comes crashing home to him. All these compromises that he had made, he he sees them for what they are. He sees that they've meant that he's chosen the path that only leads to death, the path that's away from Jesus, and it breaks him. You ever been there? You ever looked back on a season in your life and thought, I see the compromises now. I see all those bad decisions. Why didn't I see it earlier? I see it now. And all that guilt just wells up in you, doesn't it? And it can break you. Don't allow it to break you. It broke Judas. And Judas killed himself. He couldn't get over it, could he? It broke Peter. And it motivated him to do better. So, When we feel the guilt for denying, for choosing the wrong path, for for making the uh, compromises, for not making the sacrifices that he calls us to make, use the guilt to motivate us to be closer to him, to be more devoted. Let's let's dive into chapter 15. Um, This is when he gets delivered over to Pilate. And so the Jews have already made their decision. He's guilty. Why is he guilty? We don't know, but we don't like him, and he's guilty, and he's deserving of death. What did he do that was wrong? We don't know, but <coughs> excuse me, but he's going to die. And so they give him to Pilate. <clears throat> the Jews have the power to kill someone. They do it in Acts chapter 7 with Stephen, right? They stone him. The problem with Jesus is, the crowd's on his side. So the Jews need, the Jewish leadership need a scapegoat. They need someone to do this deed for them that they can blame when the crowd comes to them. If the crowd turns against uh, Jesus' crucifixion, they need a scapegoat that they can blame for this. And that is the Roman government. So enter Pontius Pilate in verse 15, uh, chapter 15, verse 1. As soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council. So they kind of come back together in the morning and say, we all agreed, everybody on board, he's worthy of death. Nobody consent, or nobody dissents. So they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Notice the charge has changed yet again. It's no longer... Are you the Messiah? It's no longer, did you threaten to destroy the temple? Because those things don't matter to Rome. If they had brought those two charges to, to, to Pilate as the Roman governor, he'd be like, I don't care about that. That's your internal thing. You deal with them. He's not worthy of death. Now, the one thing you can't do as a Roman subject is an uprising. You can't make your own king. And so the Jews have said, He's saying he's the king of the Jews. And they brought that to Pilate because they know that as the Roman governor, Pilate's going to quash that um, because it's the one thing the Romans can't stand. They can't stand sedition. And so Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, 
you've said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. See, they're just kind of throwing everything. I mean, the kitchen sink got hurled at Jesus during this trial. But none of it stuck. And they just accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you? But Jesus, remember his calm from last week. But Jesus made no further answer so that Pilate was amazed. He's astounded that Jesus isn't coming to his own defense. If any reasonable man, I don't know how many, Pilate is, is governor from about 27 A.D. to 37 A.D. It's about 10 years. I don't know how many of these capital crime uh, cases that, that he administered, but it's got to be several. And I would imagine just about every one of those, the guy defends himself. Jesus doesn't do that. Why not? Because he's already gotten his answer from the Father. Remember last week when we talked about the Garden of Gethsemane? Jesus says, let this cup pass from me. If it's, your, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. But then the Roman soldiers come, they arrest Jesus, and he's calm throughout the rest of the trial and the crucifixion, no matter the kangaroo court, no matter the, the, the false charges that they throw against him. He's calm the whole time because this is the Father's will. This is what the Father wants. And so Jesus doesn't even defend himself. He's already gotten his answer. Verse 6, he says, Now at the feast he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. Among the re- and among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. He's not Barnabas. That's later in Acts. This guy's name is Barabbas. And he is not the guy that you want to hang out with. Barnabas, good guy. Barabbas, bad guy. Big difference. Um, Barabbas is a murderer. And in fact, he is guilty of the exact same charge that they've leveled against Jesus. You see Mark's irony? They're releasing the guy that is actually dangerous to Rome and crucifying the guy who doesn't have any interest in in ruling Rome. Interesting. Verse 8, he says, And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. We don't know just yet what interest they have. Will the crowd ask for for him to release Jesus? We don't know. And we'll never know because verse 9 happens. And he answered them saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? It's kind of what Pilate believes will happen. He knows that it's a kangaroo court. He gets that the, that the Jewish leadership is just jealous of Jesus. And so he's kind of asking the crowd, well, do you want, do you want Jesus, your king, back? Verse 10, for he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. Pilate got it. This guy's politically savvy. He understands what's going on. Verse 11, but the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. So the chief priests are run, wandering around through the crowd, um, convincing them to, to allow Pilate to release Barabbas. And again, Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call king of the Jews? And they cried out against, again, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why, what evil has he done? There's still no credible charge against him. They, they don't have anything that will stick. But they shouted all the more, crucify him. So they shouted Pilate down. This is, this is what's so interesting in verse 15. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. The crowd is why we are here, right? It's how we've gotten to the crucifixion. The crowd would not have allowed the Jews to stone Jesus. And in fact, that's why the Romans and the Jewish leadership go get Jesus at night out in the middle of nowhere in the Garden of Gethsemane 
because they're trying to be sneaky. Because if they're not sneaky, the crowd will turn against them because they think he's the Messiah. Pilate is also pandering to the crowd. Do we ever do that? Do we ever fall prey to peer pressure? We talk about that a lot with the kids, right? We talk about that a lot with, with uh, teenagers and middle schoolers. We don't talk about it very much with adults, but guess what? It's just as prevalent in us as it is in their lives, isn't it? We think we grow out of it, but I don't think we do. We bow to peer pressure too, right? We want to fit in, right? We don't want to be different. We don't want to think different, look different, act different. We just want to follow the crowd, don't we? I've got a newsflash for you. If you choose wholehearted devotion to Christ... You're going to be different. You're going to look different. You're going to act different than those who have chosen death. By the very nature of a disciple, we are different. And that has to be okay with us. We have to choose that. Maybe going against our own nature (laughs) of fitting in, of being part Saying yes to Jesus has to be so much more to us than even fitting in. Happily, he's given us a place where we fit in. You don't have to do it alone. You don't have to go at it alone. He's given us the church. A place where his saints congregate and where his family is. Right? You're not alone if you're in the church. Not only do you have the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, you've got the family, the church. You may feel on the outside, everywhere else, at your job, uh, with your friends, wherever. Everywhere else you go, you may feel different. But in the church, we're all devoted to Him. We're all sold out for Him. We're all willing to make sacrifices for Him. We're all willing to give our lives for his cause, for his agenda, willing to put ourselves on the back burner. We fit in here. So if you're looking for a place to fit in, this is your place in God's family. You get added to that family through the power of baptism, which, added bonus, washes away your sins and gives you relationship with God. It's the only possibility for a relationship with him. Nothing else is even possible. No other, you can't get to him through any other means. Maybe you've already made that step this morning. You just need the prayers of this congregation to be who God wants you to be, completely devoted to Him. If you have any this morning, why don't you come as we stand and sing. Jesus is standing in Pilate's hall. Friends forsaken, betrayed by all. Hark, what thing that will stand and fall. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus, my friend? News or you cannot be. Someday your heart will be asking your friend, What will he do with me? Jesus is standing on trials still. You can be false to him if you will. You can be faithful through good or ill. What will you?
Good morning, church family, again. A couple of announcements before we are dismissed. As a reminder, next Sunday, we'll have a bridal shower for Grace Hutchinson uh, here at the building from 2 to 4. See bulletin for any more details. Um, also, Wednesday is the last day to sign up if you're wanting to go on the baseball road trip, which is next weekend, Friday and Saturday. So if you're wanting to go on that baseball trip, do not forget to sign up. In two weeks is Vacation Bible School, Sunday through Thursday, 25th through the 29th. We are still needing teachers and helpers for that. Uh, if you can help out with that, it would be greatly appreciated. There's a sign-up sheet on the four-year board. Also, grass is still growing, and we need people to help out with mowing the grass here at the building. Help James out. Um, he's getting more gray hair. Um, starting to look like Santa. But uh, he's... Uh, you can help him out with cutting the grass. Uh, I know he'd greatly appreciate it. Lawnmowers and uh, riding lawnmowers provided. Gas is provided. Uh, just get with James, and he can show you where to cut the grass at. Also, uh, remember to continue on our prayer list. Remember to keep Carol Galloway in your prayers if she's still at Cabell. Um, remember to keep her in your prayers and Clinton and family. Also, remember to continue to keep Kristen Ward in your prayers as she begins her radiation and chemo treatments. And um, also, Heather Pittman is going to be induced here in 22 hours. Uh, so remember to keep her in your prayers at, that she delivers the twins. And uh, that's great news. That uh, new life is uh, coming. And also, uh, remember to keep the Royce family in your prayers. Don Royce passed away Wednesday. Funeral services were held Saturday. Remember to keep the Royce family in your prayers at this time. That's all the announcements I have. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody again here uh, at 6 o'clock this evening. Um, we'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 121. Do all, the, do all in the name of the Lord. We'll sing the first and last verse, and then Brother Cy Wilson will lead our prayer. <clears throat>
Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you so much for all that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for this day, this opportunity to come together here to worship you, to sing songs of praise to you. Lord, we pray that the songs that we have sang, the words that have been spoken, the actions that we've done have been in accordance with your word and have given praise to you. Lord, we thank you again for all of us being able to be here. We pray that you'll be with all those that are sick and those that cannot be here. Lord, we pray that you'll be with all those that are traveling and keep them safe and watch over them. Lord, we pray that you'll be with Heather as she, Heather and Andy, as they bring their babies into this world tomorrow and just comfort and strengthen them and, and watch over them. Lord, we pray that you'll be with us all as we leave here, keep us safe and watch over us and bring us back again safely. We thank you for your son and the great sacrifice he gave for us, his willingness to suffer and die on our behalf. Lord, we thank you for him and thank you for all that you do for us. Pray that you'll be with us and forgive us. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. <laughs> 